I'm creative business coach, Anastasia Williams, and you are listening to Making Magic, a podcast for fiber artists, makers, and creatives who are looking to craft a business with intention. change my mind as you can tell from the title of this episode um last night I did an interview coaching episode interview with Alexandra of November Woods Fiber Company and as we kind of worked through the time that we spent together I realized that this is a really engaging kind of episode and it's something that is really unique because a lot of times when you hear about coaching or me me actually coaching other people there's a lot of kind of back and forth um, a lot of guidance from me and kind of my thoughts and opinions on things Um, this is different this is a real collaborative brainstorming session which this is what happens in coaching I mean this is a valid and normal you know use of a coaching session um so if it seems kind of maybe i wouldn't say bizarre but if it seems different it is and that's really why i want to include it but alexandra is really unique because she uses language in such a mm, i want to use like a pun here and say a novel way but she she really knows how to capture emotions in the way that she writes and she always talks about how she's a deep thinker and um, she's a very great writer. And I think it's really interesting for us. We're going to talk about her why and how to communicate that in basically a one sentence format. But we take, you know, about 40, 45 minutes to do that. But I really want to invite you along that um that journey that we take of kind of figuring out those words and and what that looks like for her. So let's just, let's just go ahead and dive in. Okay. So tell me about yourself. Tell me about what you do and how you got started and how you got started and how I got started. So my name is Alexandra. I'm the dyer behind the November Woods Fiber Company. I have a lovely little dye studio here in Western Connecticut in New England. Um, I dye yarn using natural and historical dyes, which makes lovely, beautiful colors. And the core of what my sort of work in the world is within yarn and outside of yarn is uplifting other people through story, through sort of folktale, through um, coziness and comfort and craftiness. Uh, And that's the feeling I really like to bring with my yarn and the colors that I make. And um, how did I get started? I have came from an artistic background. So my mother used to be an oil painter and I grew up like with uh, oil paints around with all sorts of artistic medium and looking at the world through the perspective of color and texture um, and interacting with those with the world in that way has been really important to me my whole life. So, you know, knitting as a as a as a practice, as an artistic practice, as a meditative practice, I've always felt like the next step was immersing myself in the source of, of the yarn, of getting closer. You know, I've, I've recently expanded into 
um, spinning for my own personal spinning. And so just seeing that whole trail, I think a lot of crafters are that way. They like to see their sweater. They like to knit their sweater. They like to spin their sweater. Um, and dyeing was sort of part of that and mixing with that artistic uh, experience. Mm. So then what made you decide to go from just kind of like dying to making it a business? I, I also love systems. <laughs> um, so I, I just, I love, I love spreadsheets and I love logistics. I like figuring out efficient ways to do things. Mm. And so I, what I love about dying is that there's this combination between one-on-one -on -one artisanship, especially with like indigo dyeing where every skein is hand dipped or some of my hand painted skeins where each one has to be handled individually. And that there's also like a rhythm that you have to enter into it where you are dying, you know, you're mordanting and then four days later, maybe you're dying. And then um, the, the pots are heating up at different points. And so making all of those fit together for a really seamless production experience is really satisfying to me. <laughs> um, and at some point I was ending up with a lot of yarn <laughs> and I, I was realizing that I needed to share this yarn with other people in order to continue to produce yarn at the rate that I was enjoying producing yarn. <laughs> okay, that's great. So then what would you say at this point is, you know, what are you wanting to work on or what are you kind of running up against at the moment? I, I think, I mean, I gave my spiel in the beginning, but I am needing to hone in and articulate my why, my mission a little bit um, and what I'm offering to other people other than colorful yarn. So like, what is the emotional experience when someone engages with me? What is it that someone gets out of my yarn other than just the knitting experience, which they can get, you know, with any sort of yarn? Um, I feel like I can like come up with some words on the spot, but I'm not sure that I really have like an elevator pitch and I've tried out a couple different things. Um, and so I, I'm hoping to kind of start getting to the heart of what it is I'm trying to do because I have a very vague sense, uh, an ambiguous sense, but I'd like to uh, I'd like to get more clarity around that uh, so I can communicate it really quickly and effectively. Okay. So when we start to look at the, the why, mm -hmm. so what is, what comes up for you as far as your external why, meaning, I mean, we know that, you know, mm -hmm. your, we all know that we all have like an internal why that is basically driven by oh I need income or something similar to that right um creative outlet that kind of thing but when we look at an external why which is more why do you do this for other people what do you want them to feel what do you want them to reaffirm about themselves as an individual um when you think about that what comes up for you I, I'm trying to think of like, what is it that I get a lot of positive feedback from people when that they, that they like hear in me, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, so I get like DMs from people who talk about how like engaging with my yarn or my content makes them feel closer to nature. 
in in terms of like rustic wool, but also in a kind of an almost spiritual sense okay. um, of of feeling more integrated with nature in their life. Um, I I feel like people get the cozy nostalgic kind of feeling that comes from like reading an old storybook um so i get a lot i get a lot of lovely dms when i share like pictures of cozy cottages and people are like oh that one i like that one or i like this one more and like i would love to live in that next to that orchard or something and that seems really evocative to people that there's you know i know that we've talked before about like the power of fantasy and the power of story in terms of being a positive force in someone's life, um, like a, a cozy escape to get away to. And mm -hmm. it seems like that's something that really resonates with people. And I, I'm a very literary creative person. So like recently I did a, a mini skein set called The Lighthouse Keeper, where I sort of created this story around a woman who lives in a lighthouse and all of the colors in the mini skein set had something to do with a different aspect of living in this fantastical lighthouse. And people really loved like the story around that, not just the color combination. Mm -hmm. Those are the, those are the first things that I'm coming, that are coming to mind. Um, and it seems like people also really like the like restful uplift, like that, a sense of balance. And what's funny is often like the days where I'm feeling kind of low and I think what is, what is something I would love to hear right now? what is something that like I, I need in my ears and then I'll, I'll put that out for other people are often the days where I get tons of engagement because other people really need to hear that as well um and so I, I think it's kind of hard to describe but that like quiet sort of positivity uh like a gentle optimism mm, yeah okay you've got a lot of really great things here um, that, you know, can, that we need to find a way to weave together, right? So, you know, marketing with stories is very powerful. And obviously you're already seeing, you know, that in action. So when, okay, so primarily, I guess, let's, let's talk about like what your needs are in this moment once we've kind of delved into or fleshed into this out a little bit but your needs primarily are just thing you just want to be able to communicate relatively quickly elevator pitch style mm -hmm. as needed mm -hmm. I'd okay. say so yeah okay so and and I mean elevator pitches are helpful um in the sense that you know we can always expand upon them and then build off of them right which I don't have any you know, concerns that you will be able to do that given the fact that you do like writing and that you are pretty talented with words. Um, and you do do a very good job of kind of like weaving emotion into the stories that you have, which I think is probably what drives a lot of people is because there's emotion within the stories, right? A story makes us feel something. A story makes us, you know, I don't know. Yeah, transports us to a different place where we can be a different person and that different person has different feelings or problems or whatever right so don't know about wanting to be a lighthouse keeper however we do have a lighthouse book for my son that was like the call the cop winner when he was born and it is 
very romantic seeming, right? Like, yeah, and that's what I kind of leaned into of like the romanticism of being alone on the lighthouse and like, mm-hmm. and this is something that I'm from, I'm from a Finnish heritage and my father's from Finland and the loveliness of being alone and like the winter and the forest and the quiet is a very big part of Finnish culture, especially traditional Finnish culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've definitely also leaned into a sort of lovely, almost fantasy version of New England as well, which is one of the things I love about Connecticut. It's very romantic. It's very like uh, quaint, mm-hmm. but I've definitely also allowed myself to romanticize it further as a way of like making my life joyful and full of color and light (laughs) Um, and also sharing that with other people because I think you know the romanticism of like being in a cabin in the in the silent snow in the middle of the woods in Finland in the winter is something that's not super accessible to a lot of people but like the romanticism of New England in the fall is something that is really evocative to a lot of Americans because it's like a, a story that they already kind of have in, in their mind a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit more within reach. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go ahead. Let's start with a formula. I really, I'm not necessarily saying that like we stick with the formula, but mm-hmm. you know, the typical, um, it, it wouldn't be elevator pitch. We don't really use elevator pitches in the same way that people have used them in the past. You know, the idea is like you have two minutes with somebody on an elevator, you know, to, you know, tell them what you do so that you can catch their attention. Now we just ignore everybody on the elevator with our headphones and our earbuds and we're staring at our phone. And instead we'd rather like communicate all this stuff on social media, which is great. You don't have to talk to anybody um, when you do that, but it's also really negative because instead of two minutes, you get six seconds. So we have to think about what can we say within six seconds? Something that I'm trying to achieve with the elevator pitch, which might be helpful, is finding a brief and concise way to explain to other people and to myself how I'm different from all the other dyers out there. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Um, because I feel like I have a very esoteric sense of why I'm different. Um, and not just other natural dyers, but like just dye, you know, indie dyers in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my objective with, with the elevator pitch. Uh, I don't know if that's helpful at all. No, it is. And I think one thing that's important to recognize is that in some ways, and it, especially in this particular situation, like the thing that makes you different isn't necessarily as tangible as I do this process differently mm-hmm. or what you do. I mean, like you, you naturally die, which is less common than, you know, acid dyes or whatever. But the uniqueness really for you comes with you as a person, right? And how you are as a person, everything about you as a person, which in general, I mean, I would say that about most people, like we all, we all are very unique as Mm -hmm. human beings, but sometimes it's really tapping into those things that make us unique that also brings us like a strength in the market. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people try to keep things pretty vanilla or pretty kind of 
I don't know, very standard. And even, even if they're a unique human being, you don't see it necessarily come out a lot in mm -hmm. copy or in what they say or how they write. But mm -hmm. in this situation, obviously we've got the opposite of that. I mean, cause your writing is very unique. It's very distinct, it's very stylized. And that alone is probably going to draw people in. The only problem is yes, it's difficult to communicate that. Like I'm yeah. unique because I am a unique human being, right? Like <laughs> it's very, it's very convincing. Everyone's so <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. So, okay. So then the formula that is typically used is I help this particular demographic demographic of person or type of person mm. to do X, Y, Z thing, feel X, Y, Z way by thing that you do. Yeah. Now it gets really fluffy. You can get really fluffy with this. Like you can get really good about putting in adjectives and superlatives. And um, sometimes I see some of these and I'm like, oh man, you were really looking for some unique words here. So I don't think it behooves anybody to get like super duper crazy flowery, but I think getting to the, just to the core of what this is. So let's talk about the first part of this. Like what kind of person is buying from you, is coming to you, is needing your work, I guess, um, yeah. that you've been able to come up with. I'd say the primary word is sensitive. Um, okay because I did a, I did a whole series of polls on my Instagram too, just asking people what adjectives they identified with, like what they found applicable to them. So I tried like romantic, nostalgic, um, artistic, creative, adventurous, um, sensitive, and everything was fairly, like fairly split. Like nostalgic was a little bit higher. Romantic was a little bit higher, but sensitive was like almost across the board, everyone, almost everyone said that they felt like they were a sensitive person. Um, and it might be that that's a more general term than the, that like more people feel like they can identify with that. Um, it's not as, as potent of a term, but I, I do think that that's probably the best, the best adjective. Um, obviously they're hand knitters, they're hand knitters who like artisanal like hand-dyed yarn, who have disposable income to spend on high-end yarn. There's sort of those givens, but within that world, you have to like deep feelings to want to listen to me for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right. So the kind of person, like, mm -hmm. if we say that like you help sensitive knitters like does that feel does that feel like it hits for you or no mm. kind of it's like more like I don't know like more like sensitive makes it seem like you might be defensive or insecure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But really I don't think that's really it. I think it's more like, it's more like deep, like someone who feels things in a, in a deep, like feels things in a deep way or feels an emotional connection to the world around them. Does that make sense? Like yeah, someone who is sensitive to the changing seasons and 
the way that flowers look out of the window. And that's why I thought that romantic would speak to people more as a word, like seeing the world in a romantic way. Um, but I think that people interpret that more as like, uh, like sexually romantic or like yeah. in terms of companionship, which isn't, I don't know, but I thought maybe artistic would be the kind of way, but people, it seems like people are really put off by the idea of being an artist um, or being artistic, even though they might be a really devoted crafter. Yeah, well, there's probably some mindset things around that, but we don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so a couple of words that come up for me, I think mm -hmm. when I think about this, I think of the deep feelings and being connected mm. in a lot of ways. I immediately think empathic. Oh, right? uh, yeah, that's a good word. Mm. Like empathic, kind of, because um, that's definitely big feelings that are essentially absorbed now um, <laughs> from the world around. <laughs> and then the, the other word that I was thinking is intuitive because, you know, that's another thing that is more of, you know, trusting their own instincts and kind of their own feelings, even in, in being big, like having that clarity from around them. Yeah. Right. So I don't know that those are necessarily like the best words. Those are the ones that are coming to mind is like finding some way to communicate that, like, you know, even if you just say like, you know, knitters who feel deeply, you know, knitters who feel deeply is completely fine. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, uh, it doesn't feel like exclusive in the way that if you said like, they're for deep thinking knitters or, or, you know, like that or deep feeling some for some intellectual reason, knitters. <laughs> yeah. Like for some reason that feels like, okay, that just might seem a little bit, not quite me, but you know, somebody who feels deeply is different. Mm -hmm. um but so it, it, the thing that you are helping them to do this you know a knitter who feels deeply somebody who's empathic that kind of thing like the thing that you're helping them to do is I think it would be above and beyond escape at them what about you yeah. okay I I'd say yeah because it's not it's not just an escapism. And especially when I talk to people like they who have used my yarn and engaged with my the content surrounding my yarn. Like there's a level of romanticism and fantasy that helps them to step outside of the mundane. Um, but that doesn't just give them like an outlet, it helps them to connect with their own life in a more I mean, I'm not like, I'm not a, a teacher, a spiritual teacher. So I hesitate to use the word spiritual, but that's almost the right way, like to, to interact with their life in a more profound way rather than a mundane way. Does that make sense? Hmm, I like that. Yeah, I like the word profound. I'm writing all these things. These, like, like these knitters who feel deeply, they want to feel deeply and they feel deeply when they use my yarn. <laughs> <laughs> they get the deep feels and they feel... That another element they feel validated in feel, in their deep feelings about the world and about yarn and about knitting when I love that love and that's then like that's all, that's also really powerful for me because that's like I want there to be someone out there in the world who makes me feel validated about my deep feelings about yarn yeah. and the world and to be able to be that for someone else is it's powerful to me 
Yeah, I wonder if it's something like, okay, so again, I'm just, these are just, we're just throwing these out here. Yeah, um, it's total rough, rough brainstorming here. Yes, yeah, super rough, and then you'll go in and you'll beautify it. So, okay, so running off of some of the things that we've said. So hmm. I help knitters who feel deeply to, okay. See, the, the thing the thing that I come with is like, I, I wrote down this too, is that they're almost like seeing the world through a new lens, right? Like they're seeing the world in a different way. Um, you know, and that's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big powerful statement, but I feel like if these are people who feel deeply anyway, they're gonna <laughs> want this big powerful statement, right? Um, okay, so to, I don't know to, I don't know, change the lens through which they see the world or something like that. Um, also the element of fantasy that I'm adding in here, because when I say fantasy, I feel like it could also, people could think Game of Thrones, they could think any sort of thing. And I'm talking about like kind of wind in the willows, brambly hedge level of fantasy of like mm, tiny illustrated mice in waistcoats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like Beatrix Potter style. Yeah, Beatrix, like, like that, like, and they're going boating or something, very like English countryside, which in intersects really well with New England because New England is a lot like the English countryside. Mm -hmm. But that level of fantasy is almost like when you're a child and you are sat in the grass and you like notice the clouds over some distant trees, and you're like, I wonder if there's a citadel in those clouds, and there's like cloud people who live in that little citadel that's very it's like a imagination rather than rather than I don't know it's kind of it's an element of magic that's in the world around us that's just leaning into a sort of childhood imagination rather than a totally separate world where you're like outsourced out of it so like a lot of my yarn the like product descriptions that I have for my yarn like one of them is February moon and I say like that's perfect for like urban witches or something um or like it's I don't know I have like all I've kind of leaned into poetic descriptions for all of them of course I can't remember any of them now because apparently they're designed in a shamanic trance or something um but <laughs> I my point here is that it's not really escapism it's like seeing the magic in the world around you where you like take a stump and turn that into something beautiful rather than i don't know do does it make sense mm, yes <laughs> um it actually speaks to a core part of me that i don't really access anymore at the moment and what i'm remembering and this is going to be and i want oh man this is really bringing up the feels for me so i remember as a child watching um, some version of Peter Rabbit, um, not like the bastardized Peter Rabbit garbage that is now. You, you find know. a hill and you die on it, man. If that's that's your hill, <laughs> 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 I respect that hill. It's better to have hills. But I think it was made back in probably the eighties. I'm guessing uh, maybe the late eighties. And is this the one where they like just took the illustrations and put like voiceovers on them? I I think it's possible. I mean, there was movement to them, right? And um, there was the, a scene before they started, I think it was after they said the book, but I think it was like before they started or in the middle, 
where she was out like a woman who I assume is Beatrice Potter is out painting in the English countryside and then all of a sudden it starts to rain and so she has to grab like her easel and her straw hat and her paints which you know the rain is starting to get into and she packs them all up and she races home and she's drying up at home she's got her teacup out and her strainer on like sitting right on top of the teacup um I have no idea where it goes from here but I just I, that is a very distinct feeling for me it's like that core that core imagination world that's very safe and very comforting and yet full of possibility that I feel like so many of us especially of our generation because of a lot of these like the proliferation of books and stories like this and mm -hmm. that were in our childhood I feel like a lot of us have that and in the like modern world where there's so little meaning and purpose and like mental health crises all over the place yeah that, I feel like that touching that sort of thing is so powerful yeah. <laughs> uh, and or I don't know like also like I feel like the hobbits in the shire like all being in a pub around like and there's like a wood fire and they're all wearing like tweed or something that like that's also kind of part of it there's like this cozy community sort of feeling um and I feel like that's where I I, I don't want to use the word cozy because I feel like everyone who's ever knitted feels cozy right but <laughs> Yeah. We're talking about like the nuances within cozy that I'm not sure the English language has words for. Right, right. And I mean, I think of like, um, in, in England, they would probably say homely, like a homely mm -hmm. feel. The yeah. only problem is that in the States, when you say homely, it's offensive. Like it means mm -hmm. like you're really plain and boring, uh, which I think is really interesting. But in England, I know that's like such a compliment. It's like, this has such a homely feel um watch a lot of escape to the country um but now I kind of want to change so I still feel like knitters feel deeply fine but like okay so now instead I feel like you're happy you're helping them tap into they're mm. tapping into something right and that's what we need to figure out here isn't this funny that you were just like oh I only have this one thing and so I don't know if it's going to take very long and here I bet we We'll spend the entire 45 minutes trying to do it. I love this kind of like stuff. we can easily expand. Like this is the pe wordy people. We just like keep diving into it. Yeah, this is this is perfectly acceptable, just in case anybody's worried that it is not. This is like this is I feel like this stuff. is really the, the heart of it though, because I feel like I've been going in these circles around like folk tales, around like storybooks, around New England, that, mm -hmm. that I like that we're we're getting really to the to the uh, the heart of it there's also the stories you were talking about the Beatrix Potter um thing the so my dad like I said grew up in Finland um, if you've heard of the Moomins from from Finland they're like a children's I don't know they're they kind of look like hippopotamuses mixed with marshmallows and they have a, a world um that's similar to these kinds of or like Narnia or something and it's very like cozy and quaint and the Tove Janssen is a, a Swedish Finn. She's the was the author of it. Amazing life story. She has adult literature. I definitely recommend her to anybody who's interested in like 20th century queer literature. I don't know, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, and she would go on the television in like the 60s and they would have these giant reels of paper. Like if you've ever seen like 
I don't know how they like wrap gift wrap commercially, like industrially. And the reels of paper would like twist. And so the, it would be like a panel and it'd be twisting, creating new, bringing new paper on. And she would sit, stand on the TV or sit on the TV and she would tell the stories from the movements and she would draw them out. She illustrated them on the paper as it was moving. And like the whole, like the world and the characters and their like little scenes would emerge and then would vanish like off into the paper and new ones would come out and she'd kind of draw it on. And I just feel like that speaks to me so intensely, <laughs> especially the like transient nature, the like back of the napkin, which is so similar to social media today where you get like those, those 15 seconds or whatever, six seconds of like the paper just drifting by. But from like the, the sketch, like the, the, the barest of shape and illustration, you can evoke that, that same emotion. And I feel like that's the mission on social media, right? Is like, how do you get someone to just get that zap of, of cozy, homely, you know, like quilted tea cozy feeling oh. as it's just drifting by. Just so they're it. tapping in, they're tapping into, what are they tapping into? I don't know, it feels you like it's so close. Because <laughs> it's not like, okay, so it's not that they're tapping into like a lost youth, right? Like it's not youth that's been lost. It's not even necessarily youth, right? Like it is something that still lives within them, mm -hmm. right? That's still existent, that just hasn't been nurtured or paid attention to or mm -hmm. acknowledged for a long time mm -hmm. um because like I obviously am now starting to realize like wow I have really neglected this part of myself for a very <laughs> long time uh so I mean is it like is it a different world is it a different it's not a different world though it's is it whimsy is it magic like it's not like it's not like magic like wizards and witches kind of magic yeah it's <sighs> Is it, it's like i want to say optimism but that sounds really dry <laughs> compared to what it we're trying to describe yeah it's like well, it's like hope right it's mm -hmm. like hope but hope feels like like what everybody in like movies names their babies when like the movie was almost gonna die or somebody in the movie was almost gonna die and they named the kid Hope. <laughs> <laughs> I the only thing I can like use to describe it are like like when I say like watercolor illustrations of mice and tweed jackets, but that like that's not a <laughs> that's, that's not a, they can, they can't tap into that you know. Um, there's like, I think there's a level of, there is a level of like safety and security in there, yeah. which isn't like, I don't know if it's like a nurtured nestled in feeling, but it, does that make like, to me, those kind of worlds and that feeling is not, and like in the world that I like, you know, snippets I take from my world to curate on Instagram, that's the feeling I try to give people that like, the adventure is gonna have a happy ending 
<laughs> no, I make I make it sound like I'm doing some really like awesome children's book writing, or something, which I'm not. But <laughs> I know, I know, this is like getting super profound for yarn, but I still think there's something to it, right? Like this mm-hmm. is that's the thing about like what we do, right? We don't do things to do things. We do things to evoke these these feelings and to help them tap into this like side or like a, it is like a side, like it's a, it's something that's within, right? Like it's something that's, is it the whimsy within? I don't know. I don't know if it's with just whimsy, right? Cause it's like, like I had a colorway called Bog Goddess, which my mom <laughs> was shocked and appalled to think I would ever name a colorway Bog Goddess. But it was this like, it was this like limey, sagey green overlaid with indigo, which made it this like, it was like this teal with pops of like electric green. It was really kind of odd and unusual color. And it had like gray, it had a kind of swampy quality. And the product description, product description that I had for that was like defining who the bog goddess is of like this eerie goddess of the marsh where she has like gray kelpy hair and like long sinewy robes. And she's like the goddess of this really important ecosystem that is not, it's not like the goddess of the lambing season or something, you know, like the sheep pasture. Like she's this kind of like eerie creature. and people really loved that. They were like, I get exactly what you mean. Uh, I don't know, I'm kind of taking it in a different direction now, but, cause it's not always just, it's not always sunshiny. Like the, the lighthouse is like often got fog and being alone, but it's still part of that like, It's still like I don't know in Wind in the Willows, like Mr. Badger's house is still part of Yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's, it fits in the world, right? Like that's all part of the there's like the darkness of the winter, there's the strawberry picnic and the with teacups and stuff. Is it like a tapping into I want to say rustic nostalgia, but that that makes it sound kind of like vintagey, which I feel like it's definitely not. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that's related to like youthfulness or childhood <laughs> or you know like I want a good word for it. Um, Imaginative whimsy. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely tapping into imagination, which I think is important. And I think something along those lines is going to be really critical because, you know, there's storytelling in this, right? Like there's, you know, um, there's a story being realized or understood or uh, okay, so tapping into cozy imagination. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So, okay. So what if we just like help them tap into their imaginations? Okay. What if we just leave it there? Okay. What if we don't give it any more energy? Yeah. And then by, right? Like, what if it's like, this is where we get, we put the duality of together. So like you're pairing, right? Mm -hmm. You're pairing naturally dyed yarns, mm -hmm. which I mean, we do need to mention those at some point. with like i mean you could say like youthful stories of whimsy or with um you're pairing it with uh like storytelling of some kind mm -hmm. there is why can i not think of like a word for what this is gonna get a bunch of dms i know i know i know and, and I'm, they're I'm all gonna be the same word and <laughs> i'm gonna know what it is maybe maybe that's what maybe that's what this means <laughs> you know the the crowdsourcing i think part of it because the story the storybook quality i, th I think part of it is that feeling that you get you got you got when you were a kid when you opened a book and it had a map in the front and you like entered these kinds of worlds um so i think storytelling is definitely part of it um well can i mean like what if it's just like whimsical storytelling? Like, yeah, let's try that. Okay, so if we just go down, this is bare bones, right? Yeah, it's very, very bare bones. So I help knitters, or if you want to say crafters, whatever you want to say, mm -hmm. who feel deeply to tap into their imaginations. by pairing naturally dyed yarns with whimsical storytelling i feel like that does that does speak to what i'm trying to do pretty well i mean i feel like you know you will get iterations of this and that's very yeah. normal is you'll come up with something and then you you switch it and you change it and you just kind of hone it when it gets a little bit more clear in your mind or as you continue to get feedback um, I know I just literally changed mine, I think last week. So, or adjusted it, right? Like changed a couple words in it to make it a little bit more clear. But I like this because I feel like we're, I'm getting closer to the heart of what I'm trying to do. And yeah. I think what I'm seeing as we work through this and I'm as I'm looking at like this iteration of the elevator pitch is, I think I wanna make more time and space for curated storytelling mm -hmm. because i think like on my instagram i do a lot of like what am i up to today and it's like you get to hear the story of kind of what i'm up to today yeah but like i write stuff i have a whole trunk over over there that is full of maps that i made like as a kid just like because i would just make tons and tons of maps of like fantasy worlds and like 
I remember I got into a huge architecture phase and I made architecture illustrations and I got into a huge agricultural phase and I made like agricultural calendars for all these like fantasy worlds and really delved into it. And I feel like I can draw out some of that storytelling and help people to touch base with that through like I feel like it'd be cool to do like a series of Instagram stories like take over my own Instagram stories for a day and find like toadstools around like in some forest and then tell a story in the in the a brief story in my stories that connected people really deeply with that feeling does it make sense mm-hmm. yeah um, and then integrate the yarn into that and so then my space on the internet becomes not just a place to like see what Alexandra's feeling today but a place where you know reliably you're gonna get that I don't know like serotonin hit of coziness this particular kind of coziness that like that feeling is going to be reliably be there and there'll be some and then and utilizing my like literary creative muscles to bring what I can that's new and unique um I don't know I feel like I feel like it's worth exploring a bit more because I'm seeing that these these other stories that exist some of which are in the public domain and some of which aren't are a big part of what's informing me and what I want to bring to the world Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I feel like stories themselves have to be a bigger part of my communication to everybody else Uh, I would agree I mean I I absolutely love it and I mean I know that you know it's hard for me to just be like oh well I think this because I may not be your target market but there is definitely um, a shift that I felt just having this conversation with you. And that alone, I think is something that you should recognize in the fact that like, you've got something that's very powerful here. Like it's very powerful on a very positive level. And I think that you have, you have the tools to like make such a positive change um, or put such a positive like I don't know, like just make that space in the world. Um, and I really want you to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is, this has been, um, this has been really good for me. Um, <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. For <laughs> I hope you, I hope you go spend some time with, with some pink rabbit stories or something. <laughs> Pull out my wind in the willows. I'll tell you what. Yeah. um yeah yeah that's oh I'm gonna be thinking about this too like from the words too but anyway so uh if people want to come to you with words that they have definitely come up with while they've listened to this where can they find you online they should send me a dm on instagram if they can uh I'm at november woods fiber company uh november woods fiber co uh and they can also find my website at novemberwoodsfiberco.com I have an email, novemberwoodsfiberco at gmail.com. Um, all three of those places. I also have a YouTube podcast uh, where if you like sitting and hearing me ramble for like up to an hour about knitting and feelings and cozy things, then uh, I release those about every two weeks, but I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break for my wedding. Uh, so I'll be oh, releasing. Oh yeah, thanks for joining yeah. us on your wedding week. 
<laughs> I was like, let's just let's just squeeze that in. Let's just get it in before uh, I have. I'm moving as well afterwards, so uh, I'll be. But I'll be picking that back up in mid October. Uh, so those are the definitely the places that are best to get, check me out. And they just, I'm assuming it's also under November Woods. November Woods. Yep, it's all under November Woods Fiberco. So if you put it somewhere, if I've got presence on that platform, then you will find me. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> okay. See, wasn't that really great? I just feel, I just feel that was really great. Um, and now I want to go watch all the movies. Uh, I've already Googled that Beatrix Potter video and it's on YouTube. Um, if you want it, you just let me know. I'll send you the link. Because uh, the first like three minutes are just exactly what I remember from my childhood. Anyway, um, next week I promise I will talk about Instagram. Um, there are some changes coming up with Instagram. Uh, every time they change something, everybody seems to panic. For the love of God, don't panic. I mean, things change all the time. And they're just adjusting how things are being searched. Um, but we really need to focus on why are we obsessing about follower counts? Why are we obsessing about hashtags? This stuff is ridiculous. Um, I'm going to go on a rant, but right now I just feel too like cozy and warm to go on a rant. So I just, I just needed to give you this episode instead. So um, I'm sure I'll get like all nice and worked up soon. 